from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. After two weeks of a long-awaited overdue, we have Mashup Monday. But you better be here at the beginning of Mashup Monday, and you better listen quickly because it's not going to last for long. I'm just warning you at the start of Mashup Monday. Bob Black here. Matt Joseph's over there. DJ back producing today. We love that. Uh, But I am bolting out early today. I hate to break that to everybody. Uh, Yeah, I have a couple commitments later in the afternoon and tonight. And it's game week, finally, for the Richmond Spiders and everybody else in college football. So we got a lot of of balls in the air that we're juggling right now. So Matt and I are mashing it up to about 4.45 or so this afternoon. And then Matt has very generously agreed to take you home this afternoon with the windshield wipers on, with the headlights on, and through all the rain up until 6 o'clock this afternoon. We haven't had rain like this in quite some time. It's been a pretty steady, pretty heavy downpour for most of the day. Um, Assuming we don't get any of those tropical storms that are elsewhere in the southeastern region, uh, this could actually be pretty good for us for a day or so, and we're supposed to have great weather this weekend when we get to college football games across the Commonwealth. 804-327-0888 on 106.1 ESPN. That is also our text line. All right, Matt, I, was, uh, I will admit I was only about half listening. You know what I was actually doing? Uh, and I was kind of excited about it. I get excited about it every week. I was starting to formulate my broadcast charts for the Richmond Spiders and the Morgan State Bears. So I was busily at work studying two deeps on a Monday. So there's my excuse for not listening to your every word, but I was listening to most of your words. Well, I mean, uh, Morgan State, uh, not a good football team, right, Bob? This should be an easy win for the uh, the old Spiders coming up Saturday? If I was a fan, that's what I would be saying, but I'm not necessarily a fan, but yes, they will be um, significantly favored to win game one. Morgan State was 4-7 and seven last year for a first-year coach who's obviously got a few more things in place now and is a second-year coach, um, but certainly doesn't have the type of recruits and players in his program now that he would hope to have in two or three years. Down the road, he was a very successful coach at Bowie State in the CIAA in the Division II ranks, where he also was a very good football player. So anyway, enough of that for now, because we'll get into more of all of that later. But speaking of coaches, can I go back to your poll question and your long um, reasoning. Well thought out, Matt, on the air today. But the question was, who needs to show more as a head coach? Is that correct? Correct, in year two. Okay, and I saw you put a poll question up on that. Um, And you wanted my answer, and for the good of better radio, you wanted me to disagree because you thought it was Tony Elliott that needed to show more? Yes. I'm going to give you three reasons why I think it's Virginia Tech and Brent Pry, and and this is going to sound stupid, none of them really have to do with football on the field, with literal X's and O's football, other than the one point I will give you that we do agree on is the Brennan Armstrong thing was an absolute disaster 
for Tony Elliott last year, and he does have to make amends for that somehow, some way, and probably sometime relatively soon. Maybe not this year, but relatively soon, because that's reason number one that I don't think you can put Tony Elliott ahead of Brent Pry. Unfortunately, and I hate to even bring it up because it's difficult to talk about, but the whole tragedy thing last year um, has put them so much further behind. I think it's hard to quantify unless you go through it how far behind something like that really puts you. And I understand they were not a great football team before that happened, but I do think when it happened, he and his staff and his players get a little longer of a leash because of that. So that's number one. Number two, I'm probably going to tick off Virginia fans on this one, but Virginia Tech fans to me are just much more rabid. They are just much more involved with their team. They are louder fans, you know, whether it's positive or negative. And I think if it's another long year at Tech, you're going to hear the loudness of the Tech football community i just think you'd hear it more than you would at uva and maybe i am going back whatever matt 30 years you know when the critique of virginia fans was always you know wine and cheese crowd you know where the sundresses and the ties and the sport coats and all of that maybe that's the case but i just think virginia i want to stop short of saying virginia tech fans care more but i do think they're more rabid so that's number two and number three the comment that Brent Pry made at Media Day were the flagship program in the state. Show me, Coach Pry. He did put a bullseye on the program by saying that. Although I don't think that makes any difference outside of the state, and I don't even think it makes that much of a difference. Like, I don't think we're going to hear about it again. It's not like JMU fans are going to constantly be reminding tech fans of that. I don't I don't think. Maybe they will. I don't know. I think it'll come up on sports talk shows. How about that? Well, yes. You and I will do a fantastic job, and every loss will come on, and your yes. opening play will be, your opening cut will be, we're the flagship school. Oh, Tech lost again. Yep. So, so again, none of those have anything to do with the play on the field and the players. I get it. But for those reasons, I voted Brent, Brent Pry, which closes your gap, by the way, Matt, the last I checked it now, to 52 to 48. What that's telling me is both of these coaches better start kicking it into gear. That's what that's telling me. Uh, yes, and, and I, I mean, you can make a case for both of them. I mean, obviously, look, I want to see that Brent Pry not doing both calling plays and being the head coach. I want to see the substitution penalties, the timeouts, the getting the play calls in properly. Like, I want to see all that stuff cleaned up because if it's not him – doing too much, and this is actually what it's going to be like, that's going to be an issue because, as I said, this offense is not built to get second and 15s, third and 13s, and things like that. So him taking away the play calling, I think, is the first step to hopefully showing us what kind of a true head coach he's going to be. Right, which is what he did, right? He, he did say that, that he's not going to do the play calling, right? Right, yes. Yes, okay. So I think that's a step in the right direction for him. I think uh, Virginia's quarterback situation is still – uh, flimsy at best, if you ask me. And I heard you talking about the quarterbacks in the, in the last hour, and, and there's not a whole lot on the resume there. So I think that's a problem for them. I, I really do. So, But anyway, there there's my answers. I would disagree. I would go Brent Pry needs to show a little bit more for those reasons in year two. And, again, it doesn't have as much to do with the talent on the field as it does the more emotional 
issues. And after all, we do talk emotion when you talk about the two rival teams, Virginia and Virginia Tech. So I voted for Brent Pry. I like it. I like it. And um, I, I did you. How about the other thing that I came to in terms of connecting DJ Uigagalele and Tony Elliott leaving to Brennan Armstrong and Brennan Armstrong leaving and what I perceive to be a tremendous year for Brennan uh, with Robert and I in Raleigh because he's getting away from Tony Elliott. Um, probably because that, as you said, was a square peg in a round hole. And I was not a fan of him trying to make it fit because I've lived through a coaching change and kind of having a hybrid of playing to the quarterback's strength while also starting to put my offensive philosophy in place. But for that one year, it was at least a little bit of a hybrid. And I'm not sure these two sides, if you can call them sides, they're on the same team, tried to meet halfway. It sounds like Brandon Armstrong did, right? In his conversation with you, he did talk about that, but it just – it just never happened. So that reason does go in the Tony Elliott column. I absolutely agree with you that, you know, he has to show that he is the offensive guy that, um, you know, Carla Williams thought she hired and that we do see improvement on the offensive side. You know what? We, I don't think we ever actually litigated. Do you blame Tony Elliott more for not trying to fit or do you blame them not hiring the right coach? In that situation, because if they hire a different coach that maximizes Brennan Armstrong, they're a better team because Brennan's probably back once again. And so are a lot of the wide receivers and guys who who left uh, this offseason. Maybe, but that's, I think, a short-term reasoning for hiring a coach. I mean, Brennan Armstrong's going to be gone in a year or two, right? I think you're right. I think if he'd had a, a good year and it wasn't good enough to go NFL, he would have come back uh, to Charlottesville. I, I do get that. So now you're talking about a two-year window there. I think an athletic director has to look bigger picture than that and find the right fit for what he or she hopes is 10 years or 15 years and that he's going to recruit that type of quarterback that he had at Clemson and that type of wide receiver that he had at Clemson. I think that was Carla Williams' goal in the first place was I'm hiring this guy because I want him to get the same type of athletes that they were getting at Clemson and get them at Virginia. So uh, that one, eh, uh, the, the Brandon Armstrong thing is just unfortunate. I, I just wish that they would have slowed what they wanted to do by a year and looked at the tape of Brandon Armstrong all year and said, let's play to this guy's strength and his receiver strength. They were coming back, and they clearly did not do that. Correct. Clearly. Clearly. They clearly did not, and now they are 28-point underdogs against Tennessee in uh, Nashville on Saturday. I'm actually surprised there's not more, to be honest with you. And you know that world a lot better than me, but um, I if <laughs> if they're within 28, good for them, but I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I so I mean obviously it's Monday. I think their defense is going to keep them in it early, and I, so. I just think it's going to be one of those things where they just are you know three and out, three and out, three and out. Eventually they're tired, and Tennessee bursts. Uh, and I think uh, right now I'm saying something like thirty-one ten is what I'm kind of thinking for that game. All right, well that would be twenty-one then, so that would be okay. That would be a winner for you if you took UVA for sure. Um, hey, can I do one more college topic for you, and then, then we'll kind of roll here on this mashup Monday. And again, I uh, appreciate what you're doing and, and filling in once we get to about the 45 breaks. I got a couple commitments I got to get to. Uh, there are a handful of uh, college games over this weekend. Did any of them? Uh, I can tell you there was one to me that opened my eyes a little bit of the seven or so games, FBS games that were played over the weekend. Anything really uh, stick out at you? Well, the two things that stuck out, and I talked about this, was one. 
the largest and best program in the Pac-12 was not able to be watched by 85% of the country because it was on the Pac-12 network, uh-huh. which is why I will not cry about their demise. Mm-hmm. And two, if Notre Dame plays undersized defenses with slow uh, offenses the rest of the season, they'll be national champions. <laughs> Okay, so you didn't follow all that closely then, Matt. Obviously, you didn't the USC game because, like you said, most of the country couldn't see it. Notre Dame did what Notre Dame was supposed to do. Sam Hartman was great, right? Four touchdown passes um, for, for Notre Dame in his first game there. My pick here, Matt, is UMass beating New Mexico State. 41 to 30. That's one of the worst Division One FBS programs in the country and has been for several years. And it's a program that's just hanging in the wind with nowhere to go in UMass. And if I'm not mistaken, New Mexico State was a bowl team yep. last year. And, and I'm, I almost think they won their bowl game. Did they not? Uh, I think they did. I think they did. You're right. It was the uh, one of the games in Detroit. I think the Motor City Bowl. Maybe. And UMass was like 1 and 11. Yes. Right. Yes, for sure. So that one to me stood out. Like, is is UMass football maybe coming back a little bit, or was this just a one game wonder? I think that they they actually have a legit quarterback now. They have the kid who went to Clemson and then went to Georgia Tech, and he was pretty highly regarded when he went to Clemson. But obviously, with all the guys that were in front of him, he wasn't going to play. Um, and he's certainly better than what UMass has had. And plus, they've actually got a couple other transfers. They got a Miami wide receiver who actually played a lot at Miami. So like, I don't know what they were doing, and I don't know if they found NIL money under the couch or the sofa or anything. But like, UMass actually brought in some decent talent for what they've had in the past. Can you pronounce the quarterback's name for me? It's Fomanchu or something like that. It's Fomancha or something Foma like that. Chan, maybe? Something like that, yeah. Taysan Fomachan, maybe? It's pretty close, I believe, yeah. Not bad. 10 of 17, 192 yards. And then he, he, he was obviously a running quarter, a dual threat quarterback, Matt. 17 carries, 96 yards, and a touchdown. Huh. So who knows? He was just, I mean, he just, I feel like it's one of those things where if you go from like a D-level quarterback to like a B-level quarterback, you see a little bit of a difference. Uh, yes. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, anyway, that was the game to me that uh, kind of stood out of the, the few games that were played, and, and nothing was really headline material other than the fact that we played college football last weekend, and now we really get into it this weekend. Uh, all right, let's let's uh, let's keep it rolling here. Let's do the sports huddle stuff, if you don't mind, in the 4 o'clock hour, and then you'll take back over when we get close to 5. So let's get you rolling on a uh, rainy, cloudy Monday afternoon. <laughs> it is a Monday, is it not? <laughs> this is kind of on me a little bit because I wasn't really sure uh, which direction we were headed today with the mashup monday you did a great job aj and by the way did i call you dj at the start of the show today you did i was gonna let i that feel like pass. i did you, sh- you need to cut right in i think i was i was still listening to matt and talking about the quarterbacks and and all of that so but i was pretty sure i did it because it was in the back of my head when i said it and then i was just gonna let it slide i'm like i can't do that the guy hasn't been on with me in a week maybe that's why i forgot your name no it's okay tom we're good <laughs> still three letters still three letters so bob tom each three letters you got that? All right. So if if indeed you had heard the, the great sounder that we normally play there, I would have told you that the River City Rundown is brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. During the summer months, donating blood and volunteering is crucial to the success of the Red Cross. To learn how you can help, visit redcross.org. 
Org. All right, uh, Matt, since you really have kind of taken over today, which, again, I really appreciate, what 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 do we got coming up here this afternoon? Uh, so we're going to go over, uh, I mean, obviously it's uh, the f- first half of cut day, Bob. Yep. So mm-hmm. obviously uh, the commanders have announced some of their cuts, which I've heard of two players on the list, but that's what you're going to kind of get because we kind of get, you know, we changed the rules a little bit, Bob. It used to be cutting down from like 90 to 81 yep. to 65 to 53. Now we're doing all the cuts at the same time. So uh, we can update you on that. And John Kime will come on at 5 15 uh, to give us his thoughts about maybe some of the tougher decisions this team's gonna gonna have but uh, other than that yeah it's just gonna be a lot of college talk and a lot of uh you know the realignment stuff's not going away bob unfortunately no and and um i know we had both talked about that uh, last week and you were you were i know you were fa- and understandably so i know you were fairly adamant that there's no way the acc was adding stanford cal and smu and i said late last week the longer that it went the more I actually thought it was going to happen. And I think we're close to that right now, right? There's supposed to be some sort of call or Zoom amongst the chancellors and presidents tonight or tomorrow. And they've basically said we're going to put this thing to bed. I don't know what that means, actually. Does it mean we're just going to veto it and be done with it? Or we're going to finish talking about it and we're going to do it? But I do think it's a lot closer than any of us thought it was going to be at one point. I just don't understand. I mean, Florida State and Clemson aren't changing their, their vote. They're not. It's, an, it's a no from them. So then it comes down to North Carolina. Because if North Carolina says no, then NC State says no, then they're not coming in. If, if North Carolina says yes, then that's it. We're done. So I don't. I just don't understand where these yeses are coming from because the money difference is not going to be that large. And it's not going to like Stanford, Cal, and SMU aren't going to help that much to the ACC. Well, I'll tell you what. If it's not F, uh, Florida State and or Clemson that changes its vote and they're mad, they're going to wind up – they're going to find a way to get out. You know that? They are going to find a way to get out, and the ACC is going to be stuck with Stanford and Cal instead of Clemson and Florida State. They're going to have their teams. It's just going to be the wrong teams. So I think it's going to be fascinating. Unless somebody is convincing Florida State and Clemson that they're, they are going to get more money out of this, because remember, all three of those schools, Matt, have said, you know, we don't, we don't need to take money for the first X number of years, or we will take a very reduced piece of pie um, for the first several years, which theoretically would give more money to the Florida States and Clemsons of the world. Uh, yeah. I just, I mean, I think the thing that changed, Bob, was, I mean, I was talking about an article last week I found in the Oregonian that was the Oregon State president who said they're going to try and resurrect the Pac-4 first and make it into something. Um, but then the story came out over the weekend that Washington State and Oregon State were being courted by the Mountain West and mm-hmm. the AAC. So mm-hmm. I feel like we're closer to the Pac disappearing to the Pac-4 becoming the Pac-10. The only thing that could throw a fly in the ointment, I think, is I do think Stanford could make a deal with some conference and say, we're going independent, like Notre Dame, in football. We can do it. We're going to do it. And we want you to take our basketball and every other sport into whichever one of those conferences they pick. I I, I think that's a long shot. I think it's a very long, long shot. But I, I think it, it's out there as well. So. They should make a deal with the Ivy League. That's where they belong. <laughs> they could do that. Play every other sport in the Ivy League and just play football as as an independent. Hey, one other thing. We got to get the break. I, I got it, AJ. I know we're going to the break here in just a second. But you mentioned all these cuts, and we'll get back to them. I was at um, the Richmond football breakfast this morning. Uh, so, yes, it's been a long day already. Um, that they do every year, Monday of the first game of the season. And one of the topics, Matt, that came up was Aaron Dykes 
still with the Minnesota Vikings, and he played in their last exhibition game. I think he got about eight carries from the line of scrimmage, caught one pass. Unfortunately, he didn't get to return any kickoffs because I guess they all went out of the end zone. I didn't see the game, but they had no kickoff returns for the game. And the Vikings made their first 15 cuts today, and he wasn't on that list. So I think that's a, an amazing story if he gets to, if he even gets to the practice squad. I think that's an amazing story. I know I've got my Richmond red and blue glasses on here, but they got to cut 20 more guys, 21 more guys uh, by 3 o'clock tomorrow. But at least he survived the first wave of cuts in this last grouping of cuts. So I'm looking at their running back room. Alexander Madison staying. Nwangwu has been there for a while. I think he's going to stay. Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride, and then Aaron Dykes are the rest of the running back room. And there's a fullback there, which could be the fly in the ointment anyway. Mm -hmm. But, I mean... There's a chance. I, I, I did the Twitter search, and, and the, his name has not come up good or bad, Bob. That's always what I've said about those guys that you don't know a lot. You either don't want your name to show up, or you do want your name to show up, but only for good things. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think it's a long, long shot. And this is a guy who uh, was about to become an assistant high school football coach when they called him. <laughs> so uh, whatever he does, and he just impressed them with his kick returning more than anything. And I know you can't, with only a 53-man roster, you can't keep a guy just to do one thing. Thing, you wouldn't think. But anyway, so I'm keeping an eye on that when we get into tomorrow. All right, 422. Let's get the break in here. We'll come back on the other side. Mashup Monday, Matt Joseph, Bob Black, AJ producing 804-327-0888 on 106.1 ESPN. This Saturday, the Spiders return home when UR opens their 2023 season at Robin Stadium versus Morgan State at 6 p.m. Don't miss any of the action on your home for Spider Athletics all season. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Traffic report. Stop the presses. The Braves actually lost a game yesterday. A giant salvaged one in that series on Sunday Night Baseball. Braves and Rockies tonight, 8.40 airtime, so 8.20, uh, 8.40 first pitch time. So 8.25 would be our airtime here on 106.1 ESPN. Matt, I'm a little embarrassed here. I don't know the answer to this question. Do all NFL teams, we're talking about cut down day, do they do it the way the Commanders are and the Vikings are? We pointed them out where they do like whatever, a group of them today and then another group tomorrow, or do they just, a lot of them just do it one fell swoop, and they get from whatever they were at, 90. Most teams are a little less than 90. They've made a few minor cuts along the way. So even if they're at 85 or 80, down to 53, how do they normally do that? They all do it however they want. <laughs> they can do it all at once. They could do it uh, piecemeal. They could whatever they feel like doing. Obviously, there's no more games, so they can. Yeah. They don't have to. Uh, you know, it could be all of them tomorrow, all of them right now. So it doesn't really matter. There's not a set way to do it. I guess my point is, I think it it kind of does. Do you think they're like like Washington and Minnesota made ten cuts, fifteen cuts, and then went out and practiced again today? I just. To me, the tension would be so thick you'd be cutting it with a knife if that was the case. If you still had, what, 70 guys out there? I just And I realize for the majority of them there is no tension because they know they're on the team, but they get it. They understand. They sympathize with the other guys in the locker room. I just think it's a little tension-filled if you just, at this point, just do it all at once. Let them get out of there, and let's get to practice. Yeah, but if they let them practice – and they get hurt, and then you have to waive them yeah. with an insurance or an injury, yeah. whatever, then it's money that you didn't have to spend. Yeah. So, like, I saw the Eagles, uh, they practiced yesterday, and there was a bunch of guys who were getting cut who did not practice. So, um, I think that's kind of what happens. I think each team's... I think I read... Um, 
it was one of the teams said that they were making early cuts to give them an opportunity to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's why some people are making early cuts. And if you notice, there's no surprises outside of what Arizona is trying to do, although now we know what Arizona is trying to do, so it's not really a surprise anyway. And which was the team that I saw that said, we're cutting this quarterback, but we're going to let him play in the preseason game so he can, you know, show his worth, get more tape out there. I forget who that was, but I was talking about it with some friends that, like, they've, they've literally told him, you could go 25 of 25 and throw four touchdown passes, but we're cutting you. But we want you to, we're going to give you the opportunity, which I, I thought was unique. I have no idea. I'll have to go I look forget, that up. I forget. I for, maybe I dreamed it. I don't know. You know, it's football season. I dream in terms of football at this point. And, uh, you know, Matt, on my list here, I'm kind of um, ping-ponging around a little Sorry, bit. Sorry, Will Greer. With the it, that's who it was. It was Will Greer. You're right, because Will Greer's dad, Chad Greer, played for the University of Richmond until he transferred to East Carolina, I believe. But that's and exactly what it was. That was because they were getting Lance. That's right. That's, what that, that's exactly what that was. Man, we missed you, AJ. Good job. Well done. Yeah. I had not heard that one before. So, And to your point, Matt, I guess if he had gotten hurt, they would have been responsible for for insurance and paying him and all of that. So that actually is a pretty good gesture on their part. Rare. I assume, rare. Very rare. Oh, without Unique would probably be better than even rare. Once in a lifetime thing. No, yeah. I'm talking about rare that the Cowboys do something of, of the positive side of things. That's what I mean. I know. I don't know if you're going to see that again for a while, for sure. Uh, something else came out of Dallas's camp that wasn't as positive. I forget what that was, too. I, I got to keep better track of these things when I read them at eight o'clock in the morning. By the time we get by the time we get to the afternoon, so oh, I guess Dak wasn't overly pleased, was he, with the acquisition of Trey Lance? No, but remember, Dak's not throwing ten interceptions this year, so that's you know he's trying to be more accurate, and he, so he's going to throw nine or eleven or fifteen, but he's just not going to throw ten. Yeah. Okay. The TikTok yeah. jokes have been infamous. On deck. Oh, it's been relentless. What a shame. Huh. So you were at the uh, Commanders game. Is that correct, AJ? That I was. So listen, Matt, it happened again. You and I have watched it for however many years together now. Look who won the August Super Bowl again. The Washington Commanders, they're on top of the world right now, Matt. Here I, we go. It's its just, I don't have as much of a care about the third game because they didn't foolishly play a lot of starters. They played a couple of them. But like, it still bothers me that you lost Terry McLaurin potentially for the first game to go win your Super Bowl against the Ravens yep. Yep, uh, two yep, weeks yep. ago. Yep, yep, yep. I'm with you. They're, they're, now, maybe this is the year, but like I said, I'm never going to pick them to be anything other than 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight until they prove to me they can get into double digits. So... That's kind of where I'm falling on them. But once again, you know, they're coming out of the preseason, and it just feels like every year, you know, they've they've won the month of August. Now let's go to September and see what happens. So I'm throwing down the gauntlet on them to see what happens. Because you said it, AJ, right? You were there. You said, oh, the atmosphere was great. It was actually a pretty good game. And, you know, they're all fired up and ready to go. Where have we heard that before? I, I can't stand preseason, and I can't stand me saying what I'm about to say, but there's huge buzz on this offense. And I don't know, man. Jake Fromm looked good. Jacob Brissett, uh, I think I think his stats look a little better than what, what I saw. Um, so you're souring on your guy there. Then. Nope, 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 okay. nope, nope, nope. Okay. I like the way he scrambled. He looked good. I'm just saying 10 for 15, 96, one touchdown L- sounds good. I was a little more frustrated live, but I was cheering for him, which, by the way, 
Several people yelled first string when he came out. It was dope. Oh, you I, led that. You led I that. I didn't, but but I definitely started the chant afterwards. It was great. But let me tell you something. What I will tell everybody, and again, it's Bengals, what, third string, whatever. But Correct. It seemed like they could plug anyone in this offense and everyone looked good. Chris Rodriguez looked good. Patterson looked good. It it There's a lot of buzz and I talk to a lot of kind of people that have been uh, ticket holders for years. There's a lot of buzz about this offense. Matt, I know you will agree with me here. I will never, well, I shouldn't say never because never is too far. But it, it would take, um, you know, the earth spinning off its axis to get me to go to an exhibition game. Uh, I mean, I thought you were going to say it, it, it's going to take a lot for me to come out of any preseason game and have expectations on an offense when no first stringers were playing on either side. But. You know, let the, I'm happy the Commanders fans are happy, and maybe if I take <laughs> yeah. their over this year for their win total, they actually will go over and make me look smart. Which is what? What is it? Uh, six and a half? Seven? Okay, see, I would do that. I, I Well, I'd go to seven. But anybody that's taking them to win like ten games or anything like that, nope, not, not doing it. Oh, but gee, eight. guys, look at that. Commercial. T- yeah, it is commercial time. You're right. Maybe seven. I could see them at seven or eight. Uh, so I would probably take the over. For them and I'm hope going that, nine. Yeah. All right. See, that's where I, I I wouldn't be using any of my hard-earned money to go nine. It wouldn't. You know, I could pick them to go nine and eight, but I'm not putting any money down on it. I'm not putting any money down anyway. But anyhow, let's just uh, say this, Bob. If they yeah. lose that first game, the, uh, this is going to be a disaster. Yes. Agreed. Absolutely. They're in the same boat Virginia Tech is in. They they have to win the first game. Yes. All right. We agree on that. We agree it's time to take a break. At just about 435, we'll do that. Matt and I are coming back. Uh, I'm going to leave him kind of hanging solo here after the next segment or so. Uh, Mashup Monday on a cloudy, rainy Monday in the capital city. Thanks for joining us on 106.1 ESPN. As the Braves roll toward the 2023 postseason, there is one goal in mind, a World Series title. They still have plenty of obstacles to clear before that, and you can hear all the action here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves in the capital city. 106.1 ESPN, Richmond. All right, Matt and Bob with you on a mashup Monday for another segment or so, and then I'm going to do an exit stage left uh, today and back to do the full deal tomorrow. But Matt's going to finish you up until uh, until six o'clock this afternoon. I'm with you, Matt. I just I just looked at the uh, Commanders' cuts, and all due respect to these guys, because I'm sure you know they all are excellent football players and gave it their best. But I've really never heard of hardly hardly any of them on that list today and it was obviously they've got more to go tomorrow still to get down to 53 yeah marcus kemp and uh, jared patterson are the only two that oh, i patterson would say was, oh jared Patterson. i was going to ask you that when when aj brought his name up just a moment ago that would be the one you're right jared patterson he was like the rave of camp last year wasn't he uh yeah because he was the uh, undrafted kid out of buffalo yeah. performed really well he's a max superstar so uh he might find someplace else or maybe yeah. he goes back to the practice squad Yep. Yeah, that's possible. These guys that got cut could still resurface on the uh, on the practice. I think squad. Rodriguez won it. To be honest. Yeah, sounds like it. As the third running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He they yeah. both played pretty good, but Rodriguez looked really good. Yeah. All right. So if if not the uh, Commanders, there, Matt, is it uh, who who challenges our birds? Is this still the Cowboys? Or are where are you at on the Giants? Uh, I'm not on the Giants. I think the Giants finish last. I think it's uh, okay. I think it's it's 
this the usual order. It's Eagles, Cowboys, Commanders, Giants. I take that. <laughs> When's the last time an NFC East champion repeated, though? That hasn't happened in a long time, right? What is it? Ninety-two, I think, was the Something. last one. It was, yeah. It's a it's a pretty impressive statistic, but yes, I, I just is. you know look I. I I think Dallas has a lot of talent. I just don't believe in McCarthy. Like I just, I, I don't believe in McCarthy, and I don't think I think Dak is mentally weak enough to let this Trey Lance stuff bother him. Ooh, that sounds like Carson Wentz all over again, actually. Which, by the way, there was a story over the weekend that uh, that uh, Andy Reid might be interested in uh, signing Carson Wentz. No way. It he was w- it was an internet thing. I don't know necessarily if it was reported by anybody legit, but that was what was going around. There's he's Matt smarter. reading Reddit again. He's smart. Yeah, he's smarter than that. There's no reason. Who's their backup quarterback? I don't even know. Chiefs, come on. There's it's, no reason. Did you notice? I I think it's not Chad Henney anymore because I know that he's now in the Subway commercials. Oh, cool. That's how you knew that? He was playing uh, a backup. I think that the joke was a backup sub, and then they had Mahomes talking, and, and Henny was standing behind him, and he said, are you standing behind me the whole time? And there was Chad Henny. I'm like, that's his Michigan <laughs> education really helped him out. All right, wow. it's not looking good. Blaine Gabbert oh. and uh. Shane Bruschelli? Like, I don't even know. Shane Bouchelle, who was a uh, yeah. former quarterback at SMU. Maybe that's why Andy Reid's looking at Carson Wentz, I don't no. know. I, I wouldn't do it. I just would not do it. I I would just roll the dice that Mahomes is not going to get hurt and he's just going to play. I wouldn't do it. I can tell you that. All right, not anyway. to, not to impose, but the Chiefs' wide receivers have gotten worse this year. And if Pat goes down, that team's done, done. I think if Pat goes down, they're done, no matter who their wide receivers are, probably because they they will just you cannot be prepared to replace that guy. I know Andy Reid will do everything to get the number two or the number three his reps, but you're not replacing Mahomes, especially in midseason. You know, if they're rolling along and he's out for a month, that'll be. I, I just think that'll be tough, really hard. I don't know. The backup last year had a key yeah. touchdown drive in the he playoffs, did. if I remember correctly. Yeah, when, yeah, when Mahomes Holmes hobbled out. Uh, has not been a repeat division champ in the NFC East since 2005. So it's still a long time. Not quite as long as you said, but it's according to this anyway. 05 was the last repeat division champion. So Back anyway. when VHS tapes were prevalent. <laughs> it's the only place you can what? see Dallas' Super Bowl. You guys aren't using them anymore? I am. No, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> true. You're right. You're right about that. So, All right, Matt, you got one more topic for me here before I get out of here? Uh, how many runs are the Braves going to score this week uh, in, the, in Coors Field? Uh, oh my. In the first inning alone, you know, I am not a big fan of run differential overall in baseball. I'm not because, you know, you win one night 3-2 to two, and you lose the next night 12-1. to one. It's the same difference, right? You, you've each got to win. But I am a big believer in it, it by inning. And their run differential in the first inning is ridiculous. It's it's And that to me is important because now you're playing with the lead almost every single time. And that does that is one of the reasons they're where they are. They just in the first inning see how many scores, uh, how many runs they score. I mean, I know they're plus like two hundred something, two nineteen, but their first inning run differential is ridiculous. So, yeah, let's Home just runs say and runs. Let's just say one of their most profitable bets is betting on them to score early in games. Absolutely, that's as much of a lock in a baseball bet I think as you could possibly get. Absolutely. So. They're, uh, they're, by the way, their team total tonight in Coors Field is seven and a half, which is almost unheard of in baseball. Just their total, not combined. Correct. Wow. That that see now that one would almost entice some people to take the under, right? I mean, 
Well, but, but if you're a baseball guy, I wouldn't do it. Usually, you're worried about the Sunday night baseball travel because they played last night, yeah. and the first game in the altitude. Usually, yeah. the first game is your worst game. So those are the two things. But like, I mean, there's some bad pitching in Colorado. Yeah, and they're not they're not going. I mean, they're going from San Francisco to Colorado on a charter flight. That's that's about as easy as you can do it to start to make your way back east. Actually, I think so. Um, and they're going up against a guy tonight who's got a five five zero earned run average. So, yeah. Uh, my money would be on the Braves. I'll tell you that for sure. See, I knew I'd sneak a little baseball in on you there, Matt. Even though it's big college football week and NFL cut down and all of that, so now I feel better. It's good. Now you yeah. have to go get ready for your interview with the Morgan State coach. I already did it. We talked this morning, actually. So Damon Wilson, second year, like I said, out of Bowie State. Uh, very nice guy. Very good guy to talk to. We spent about twenty minutes with him uh, on a Zoom call uh, this morning. So. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I know about as much about Morgan State as I need to at this point already, and I haven't even like dived into their too deep yet. So uh, they've been very good with information. Just gotta get those kicker stories ready, Bob, for the fourth quarter when the Spiders are up fifty-two-seven. <laughs> well, I hope you're right. I hope you're right about that, and then we'll get a look at uh, some of these young buck quarterbacks and running backs and people like that. Because remember, the college rule still is in place. You can play four games. And, and retain your red shirt eligibility. And Coach Usman talked about that this morning. They've got two or three freshmen that they think they're just going to flat-out play, um, not worry about the four games. And then all the rest of them, if they can sprinkle them in, in games like the ones you just kind of alluded to, they would do that and get them their four games. That's, that's one of the best rules the NCAA has come up with over the course of time is that four-game retain your red shirt eligibility for college football. Blind squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. They've been few and far between. You know, the other one he talked about today, and I thought you brought this up somewhere, was this uh, the clock running after the first down thing? Yeah. So they did a very unscientific math on it, um, the coaches, just because people are saying, oh, you're going to reduce it by so many plays. And by Richmond's math, and Richmond's a pretty good school now, and some of their coaches are Richmond grads, right? Um, they only think it's going to be like four or five plays a game that it's going to reduce. Like, it's not going to be that much that they're going to reduce. Because Russ made a great point. In the old days, there used to be a significant stop to move the chains. I mean, they literally moved the chains. It wasn't just a chant from the crowd. And they would wait until they put the spikes in the ground. They put that little clip on the yard marker, and then they'd start to click. They they haven't done that in the last five years at least. They move the ball. They stop it. They start it. There's no more than four or five seconds stoppage the way it's going now. So it's it's not going to be as many plays, I think, as some people believe it's going to be. It, it, it'll look like the NFL. Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought it's so weird. People are like, I don't like this style of football. Nah. I'm like, well, then you don't like Sundays either. Right. Uh, that, that's what I'm with you. It doesn't, doesn't bother me because it's become so quick anyway, and it takes out some of the subjectivity of the referee. When, when do I stop it? When do I start it? Uh, most of them now pretty quick with the windmill. It's re- I agree with him. It's really been only like five seconds or less that they've stopped the clock in the past several years. So I don't know that you're going to notice it as much as maybe you think you are. And I know it was put in for safety and length of games and all of that. I, 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 it's certainly not going to be excuse me, as impactful as what Major League Baseball did to shorten their games. So, And the other one that I love, and he kind of ridiculed me a little bit today because I said it was for the TV guys and the fans. Uh, is the um, timeout clock on the field 
during timeouts. Everybody's going to have it now. At the big FBS games, I don't know if you, you've ever seen it, Matt, the red hat guy. Who, oh, yeah. The, yeah. So he literally walks out on the field with his stick. It looks like a first down marker. And on top of it is a clock. It's a countdown clock. And it counts down from two minutes or 2.15 or whatever the break is. And they know that's when they start playing again when it gets to zero. As a TV guy, I love it. And as a coach, apparently, Russ Huseman loves it as well, that they know how much time they have left in the time. I was very impressed the first time I saw that. Me too. I loved it the first time. I want to say we were at either UVA or Virginia Tech when Richmond played them one year in his first game of the season. And there it was. And I, I loved it because we could, we could time our timeout break, how much time I was giving you to give scoreboard updates, right? Because that clock was counting down, and I knew exactly what we had. So you're going to see it at uh, Zabel Stadium in Williamsburg and Robin Stadium at Richmond and everywhere uh, around uh, college football. I think that will improve um, the quality of your experience at the game. So there you go. All right, I got to roll. Uh, you're going to take it the rest of the way. you got John Kime in the 5 o'clock hour, right? Yes, we do. It will be fantastic. I will tune in and listen. Sounds good. Matt Josephs keeps you going. Mashup Monday and the rest of the afternoon. Kind of a pseudo border to border from 5 to 6 today. And I'll be back with you tomorrow afternoon with a full sports huddle at 4 o'clock right here on 106.1 ESPN. Up a whole lot of sports with a whole lot of opinion, which means you've got a whole lot of listening to do. Big Al is live from 8 to 10 weekday mornings on 1061 ESPN Richmond. Welcome back. Sports Idol Matt Joseph's here filling in for Bob, taking you up to six o'clock. As you heard, John Kime will join us at 515. Quote out of Arizona when asked to name a starting quarterback, Jonathan Gannon basically said, Nope, not doing it. Ah. Oh. The tank is strong in Arizona. The tank is really strong. I just it, it's it's so like if I was the NFL, I'd be I'd be furious. Um, you have to be a little coy when you're doing this sort of thing. I mean, look, the Sixers when they did it in the NBA should have gotten slapped in the face, not slapped on the wrist, and be given you know uh, a general manager. Like, the Cardinals are basically telling everybody without saying it that they do not care about this season. And you can't have that. The NFL is one of the most righteous products there is. You can't have that if you're the NFL. You can't know that for 17 weeks, you've got a team who's not trying to win. Now, obviously, they're going to try to win. But here's the fascinating thing. The Cardinals can't get out of Kyler Murray's contract until 2028. And the dead cat money is more than what the Eagles would have pay, were paying for to get out of Carson Wentz. And you know if Arizona's number one, they're going to take Caleb Williams. Just to look, this year the cap hit would be $12.6 million. The dead cap over the rest of the contract would be $110 million. So they're obviously not doing that. Next year it goes up to $16 million cap hit, and the cap hit that's dead is $97 million. So they couldn't realistically get out of Kyler Murray's contract until 2026 when it's down to like a $20 million cap hit, uh, dead cap. Um, but they're, I mean, they're trying to get Caleb Williams. And they're going to basically take this, the players that are there and basically say, yeah, you guys are playing. We want you to do well. But really, if you start losing, it's okay. Like, it's okay. Um, yeah. We're not going to, it's not going to happen because we got a new air around the commanders now. They're winning preseason games. Their ownership is gone. Washington now is a touchdown favorite against Arizona. Went up a little bit ever since this uh not the it's so funny. Like Colt McCoy is worth 
half a point? A point? Is that what we're saying? Col Colt McCoy's worth. All right, whatever. But yeah, Washington now is going up against Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs or somebody else might get cut from someplace else. Maybe Will Greer gets the job. Who knows? Um, but yeah, so that's uh, affecting the Washington Commanders. Speaking of the Commanders, coming up at 5.15, we'll talk to John Kime of ESPN. Confirm rumors that he was he's the starting quarterback for the Cardinals coming up uh, in a couple Sundays. Uh, so we'll talk to him about the cut so far. Nobody really of substance other than a couple of names you might have heard of. But these are just the guys who kind of knew they weren't going to make the roster anyway. So we'll talk to him coming up at 5.15. And then i uh, got some other stuff that we'll get into as we take you up till 6 o'clock. 327-0888. That is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code uh, if you want to get involved with the show. One hour down, one more to go. You're listening to the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Cookie wants to be a professional.